How long was Neil Armstrong actually on the moon? When did Europe start speaking English? Did Marco Polo really go to China? CuriosityStream is the streaming service for all things history, plus science, wildlife, and more. What's the real story behind the Mona Lisa? We've got that. What caused the collapse of Rome? We know. Where did we find mankind's earliest ancestor? Come find out. For the holidays, give the gift of curiosity with 25% off gift cards for your curious cohorts. It's holiday shopping season at curiositystream.com gift. Here in Key West, we were out before it was in. In this open and inclusive paradise, you can be yourself, make new friends, and savor our live and let live vibe. With LGBTQ plus friendly accommodations, our legendary nightlife, and year-round activities and events, it's always a good time to come as you are. Key West, close to perfect, far from normal. This is an official download from thecustardtv.com. Me, Matt, back once again for a, another uh, round of TV reviews. First up, we've got Sarah Kennedy back in the Birmingham area. How are you, Sarah? Pretty good, thank you. Much better than last weekend. You've not been well, have you? <laughs> I've been sick <laughs> as a dog, mate. I've been very unwell. <laughs> Yeah, I got the old the old wintry norovirus. Oh, you know those diseases that existed before COVID that everybody forgot about. Yeah, I got one of those. In uh, America, once again, how perky are you today, Mo? Um, <laughs> on a perky scale, I'm I'm getting there. But remember, you know, it's nine oh nine. But I will say, <laughs> feel all right. I survived the Emmerdale fiftieth anniversary death storm. <laughs> I love your your British state references, Mo. It's the 50th anniversary of anything. I want to celebrate that. You know, it, it, you know, I had to come back. Had you know, had to make it back to the village. You know, to to, to see you know a couple dingles die. You know, <laughs> this could be a podcast. Don't you have to be some sort of whiz kid to do those? Uh, definitely not. Anyone with a computer can make one. This is the Custard TV podcast. Yes, that would entertain me briefly. From thecustardtv.com. On today's show, we will be uh, discussing the second series of The Pact on BBC One, uh, Netflix's new romantic drama From Scratch, new sci-fi series The Peripheral on uh, Amazon Prime, on uh, Amazon Prime's freebie service, High School, which is a coming-of-age drama uh, based on the life of Canadian pop duo Tegan Sarah. Have you told your friends about this podcast? Okay, here we go. No. It's just not my idea of a good time. Tell them now. That's what the people want to hear. This is the Custard TV Podcast. Good to the last drop. From thecustardtv.com. And we shall start with The Pact. Uh, the first series was on last year. Uh, I believe it surrounded a death at a brewery in Wales. Did either of you watch it? No, I, I didn't watch the first series of The Pact. No. 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 Well, this is a whole new story, a whole uh, new cast of characters. It centres around a social worker, Christine, and her adult children, Megan, Will and Jamie. Uh, early on in the drama, we see Christine's home broken into uh, by a masked intruder. We sort of follow her around as she tries to find him, but he manages to evade her and escape. We eventually learn that this intruder is Connor. Um, he makes contact with uh, youngest son Jamie and tells him that he's his long lost brother. 
Uh, Jamie struggles to believe him, but he is shocked as Connor is the spitting image of uh, his recently deceased brother, Liam. Ultimately, the siblings bring this news to their mother, who denies having another child. The final scene of this first episode sees Connor confront Christine, who reveals he won't be bought off and vows to turn her against her children. Sarah, I'll go to you first. What did you make to the pact? It was all right. I think it was it was quite steady. I, I felt like it dips a little bit in the middle, but it really pulled it back at the end. I am intrigued. I really liked Jordan Wilkes. Oddly, in the uh, credits, he's down as Liam slash Connor, so I'm not quite sure what that means. Um, maybe we see some Liam flashbacks, perhaps. Mm. Yeah, no, I really liked him. I absolutely bought his sob story that he was a kid growing up in care, never knew his parents, uh, multiple different foster families looking to belong. How he'd stumbled on Liam's photo by accident. But then just at the moment where he's talking about music and mentions Rage Against the Machine, I go, oh, my God, he's done recon around the house already. He broke in. So, of course, he's you know going to be able to connect with them. Um, I really liked that. And then when we see him as himself in that flat in Bristol at the end with the you know ridiculous pictures and all of the homework that he's done on the family on the wall, I really bought him as that sort of like angry young man as well. I thought it was a cracking role for him. I really liked that. The one thing that confused me was that there was no pact made by the end of the first episode of the pact. You would think you'd need to do that by the end of the first episode, in my opinion. Did did that spoil it for you at all? Didn't spoil it, but I was like wondering when is this pact coming in? Uh, now, now I, I did a little digging and I understand that the mother, uh, Christine, she's played by a Reiki Ayola, and she was in the first series of the pack, but as a totally different character, uh, if right. I'm understanding correctly. But yeah, I was expecting something similar in terms of the structure of the first series. I didn't see it, but I, I uh, did a little digging, and you know, I was waiting for something to happen, and it's some sort of, of cliffhanger or twist, and I didn't get that. But it was okay. It, it moved along. It built the tension. I thought that in terms of the acting, it was really solid. The oldest son, Will, he was kind of a little over the top, uh, especially during that sequence, the chase sequence. And it just seems like he really was hyped up every scene he was in. It's like he was just ready to shout every time, no, he's not our brother. You know, it just seemed like that's what would come out of him every time you saw him. But overall, I thought it was fine. It was odd as well that they um, did that scene where she found out that Connor had done this with other families as well. Uh, There was one woman she went to see uh, that said he'd come to me, tried to convince me that he was my son um, and then got in the heads of my other kids similar to what he's doing here. So I thought that took away some of the mystery a little bit if she's finding Mm. someone else who's already done this. Yeah, and it seems like, I know that because Chris, I think she's a social worker, she works with the police, uh, she's a therapist of some kind, she's got contacts, but that was very easy to find out. <laughs> mm, and very illegal slash, you know, you, you could get laid off for that. Maybe she maybe that's one of the things that happens, that she uh, loses her career. But I just thought it was a bit odd in terms of that ambiguity with the audience. I felt kind of got lost because mm. we are now thinking... Well, he he is an imposter rather mm. than is he an imposter? I don't know if did you feel the same way about that, guys? Or yeah, it was. I would have liked a bit more of that. Him getting to know the younger kids and it being sort of warm and friendly. 
I mean, now he's gone straight to sort of pantomime villain, hasn't he, by the end of the first episode. Do you guys think you're going to continue with this or? Well, one comment, one question. I really like how Welsh people say ridiculous. And they said it a lot in this episode. And that nearly made me want to continue. <laughs> um, You're not going to give us a rendition here, do your Welsh accent for us, Sarah, no? Well, that would be ridiculous. <laughs> Sorry, Wales. I love you, really. My sort of important question about the production, because I watched this on a laptop, of course. Mm. Was it lit right for the black cast? Because there's a lot of well, black we ask people Mo? in this cast with very, <laughs> very dark skin. <laughs> I'm sorry, Mo. Apparently, okay. we can't just it's have a mutual conversation about this. It's all right. No, no. Um, you know, lighting seems to be like the the theme lately in television, especially as you you know, House of the Dragon and so forth. But you know, I also watch this on my laptop, so I thought certainly the scenes during the day I didn't have. A problem with that i will say the one scene that i did have there was some i thought there were some lighting issues and at the time i just assumed that was just to air a bit of the mystery um around it was when connor first approaches jamie so i can understand from a tension aspect you have this random person in like a hoodie in the shadows coming up and trying to like have a conversation with you and claim that they're your brother and you're standing there trying to get into your apartment or whatever and be a little bit freaked out because it made me feel a little bit unnerved and you know i thought that it could have been a little bit more well lit especially since they were you know in a more of a public area honestly i didn't really think about it. i thought maybe it could have been my my laptop settings who knows same yeah i was blaming my laptop and then i was like hang on a minute but hang on i mean Hollywood gets into trouble. British TV gets into trouble. Is it that hard to light people properly? The the big gloomy house that Chris lives in, that sort of massive farmhouse mm. or whatever that's like far too big for her now. I didn't like all the shadows in that. I I felt like I wasn't seeing a lot of what I should have been seeing. I got no, to see some I, face acting going on. I agree, actually. Now now you're saying it, and Mo's mentioning the scenes, definitely it did feel very dark. Again, watched it on a laptop, but as we're all having the same. And, you know, you're saying about the house, it was it was very sort of cavernous, wasn't it? It almost mm. had, like, these big, like, dining rooms and things. And I was thinking, was on a social cool, worker's salary, really? Yeah, see, maybe this is it. Maybe the sort of the packs, the mystery part of it is in her past, because she won't talk about what where dad's gone. Mm, that's you know? the other thing, mm. isn't it? That I didn't is, he, is, he under the, is he under the patio, a la, like, Emmerdale? Or... Brookside, please. <laughs> I will do that before Sorry. Mo corrects you. <laughs> Thank you. I just couldn't really care about anything, really. And I think as it went on, that mystery just sort of elapsed for me. I didn't really care all that much if he was the brother or not and and for me I, th- I think it's all going up on iPlayer they didn't do enough they didn't put enough story in this first episode ideally we would I would have liked to know what the pact is to mm. continue but I, I think I'm one and done I don't know about you guys yeah it's fine but there's more stuff to watch there's more yeah. like interesting important stuff to watch out there moving on now to netflix a new series it's called from scratch and it stars zoe saldana uh, who you'll know from avatar and guardians of the galaxy here she plays amy 
uh, a law student who is taking a summer out to pursue an art program in Florence. Uh, and it's set initially in the year 2000 uh, to support herself while she's uh, in Italy. Amy agrees to clean toilets at a local bar, which she's not very good at. She literally bumps into a, a Sicilian chef called Lino, who becomes a friend to her while she's in the city, despite him clearly wanting more. She also starts dating rich gallery owner Giancarlo. It's clear that she feels more for Lino than she does her new uh, Italian partner. When her father and stepmother come to visit, Amy announces that she will be returning to L.A. to pursue her art career and leaving the law behind. However, Lino and Amy, when they finally reunite at the end of episode one, will she decide to take him with her or will this just be a summer romance? Now, this is, I believe, based on a, a memoir. I will go to Sarah because I'm not sure. What did what did you make of this? Was this for you? Oh, don't come to me first. Go on then, Mo. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, so so in terms of it being based on a memoir, it is based on a memoir by an actress, an American actress, Timby Locke, who was on a sci-fi series called Eureka. And I actually remember her being on Eureka because I did watch that fairly regularly. It was nice to see Zoe Saldano not in green or blue skin makeup because uh, <laughs> we don't get that a whole lot. This is not necessarily for me. But I can appreciate that it exists because that you don't see too often stories about people of color having experiences abroad. This is very romanticized. It, it falls right in with the other Netflix shows and movies that, that tread the same ground. But it is nice to see a character of color taking the lead, having the romances and so forth. I found Amy's father particularly funny. I thought he was hilarious. As that gruff father, just disapproving, he thinks no one's good enough for his daughter. He just assumes that his daughter needs to follow in his footsteps and get a law degree. I thought his outfit when he went to that restaurant was just <laughs> hilarious. I mean, the, the hat. Ca the cowboy. Yeah, yeah the cowboy hat. I'm not from Texas, you know, so uh, you know, I'm not sure if that's how a Texan would go abroad. But, you know, I thought that added a, a bit of humor that I, I felt up until that point, the show was more or less lacking. Uh, it's it's going to find its audience. It's just that I'm not I don't feel the need to watch the remaining episodes. This is sort of the very rose tinted glasses episode that things get a bit darker and it becomes more of a weepy as it goes on, having sort of looked at reviews, what happens going forward with uh, Amy and Lino. Sarah, what? <laughs> now I know it's a memoir, yeah. I'm going to have to roll back on everything that I was going to say because this actually happened to somebody. I mean, but Mo, I thought... Do you yeah. know how much of it... So you say she's an actress, the, the lady who this is based on. So it, it, did she do this, you know, this art scholarship yeah. and things like that? Is this all? Did this all happen to her? Well, her meeting her husband abroad, him ultimately, pat spoilers, but spoilers. <laughs> um, sorry, something bad uh, happening to something him. Something bad happens to him. That is all true. Yeah. What I wrote down was, Matt, I thought we were friends. Why have you made me watch a romantic comedy? What is this? Some eat, pray, love bullshit. <laughs> so that was what that was my starting point. You didn't like the line where she said it was her renaissance. To be fair though, I've been saying that about myself. So actually, yeah, we we have you? Yeah, my 40th year has been my renaissance, baby. All right, okay. So from a person who spoiler, something bad happened to their husband 
a bit like hers. So the very first moments we've got her reading letters, looking at photos, sniffing her husband's belongings, wearing a chunky wedding ring in the very first scene. And then I wrote, are you making me watch something that's got a dead husband in it? Because those are widow tropes of film and TV. You know, that's what we do. Widows sniff things. If we if we lose our sense of smell, then we're, we're barely even widows anymore. <laughs> so, yeah, I was a little bit annoyed that you'd conned me into watching something that was absolutely not for me and also had widow stuff in it. I was like, oh, come on. There's not a widow trigger warning, unfortunately, if there was. There, I is, would... is there? There should be. You know, like when they put like sex violence stuff in the corner of the screen on Netflix, they need to put like deathy shit. That could be like the catch all, couldn't it, for everyone who's <laughs> grieving. Don't watch this, it's too deathy. Um, <laughs> but no, exactly what Mo said about this being an African American family doing stuff that isn't Baltimore, isn't being sad about racism. You know, like they, they're allowed to have lives and have fun and go and enjoy the world. Um, the clunky bits about black work and using slave as a verb, though, my God. But they, they were trying to draw out those similarities between Sicilians and African-Americans. And I thought that was really interesting, but they didn't quite pull that through like I wanted to. Sort of like the cultural similarities. Uh, very hinted at, but not really sort of picked up in this episode. I'm sure it will be later on. There was some unbelievable relationships, some very bad dialogue. How was the big move to L.A., sis? It was riddled with cliches. There was a Vesper tour of the city. I mean, come on. And then even the sort of denouement at the end where they finally fall into each other's arms. She goes, I'll watch for you by the window and let you in. I mean, honestly, just leave the door on the latch. And then there was a kiss in the rain and the white bedclothes, classic missionary. And it tells you all you need to know about the story, frankly. I cannot believe this is somebody's life because it is just so cliché. I think perhaps her memoir deserved better than this. But it's got Netflix money and it's warm and soppy. So like Mo says, it will find the audience. I'm just not going to be in it. I think the thing for me, again, is what was the hook to keep you watching at the end of episode one? Because they got together and they're going back to L.A. Apart from, you, as you said, that bit at the beginning, which I'd completely forgotten about by the end. Oh, OK. The widow bit that haunted me. You were yeah, like dismissive yeah. of. <laughs> oh, there's a woman sniffing a book. That's quite normal behaviour. Just, I'd just forgotten about it. That's that's the the amount that this show sort of sat with me, I suppose. But by the end, any any sort of drama had gone. Any sort of hook. The bit where they're actually having an argument about, am I your boyfriend or what? Why did you bring your family to my restaurant? Why are you keeping me around? The bit where she's trying to give him said book at the front of the restaurant, that was actually quite affecting. I don't know whether that's just because the rest of it had been so bad or whether that really was a particularly like emotional highlight with some decent acting in it. I don't know. As you say, it was very much a, a glossy whistle-stop tour around Florence. I'm sure the, the Florence Tourist Board will be very happy with their depiction here in this episode. You said about lighting in the packs. I felt some of the lighting in this was... It was extremely like glossy again that vesper tour the lighting felt so artificial in that to me anyway and and when they were going around like these abandoned streets in the middle of the evening that does not feel like realistic to me there would be people all around you not just sort of in yeah you come out and everyone's suddenly there it was very much an idealized version of this and obviously i know this is the calm before the storm and we have to see the sort of the early happy parts of their relationship together 
I liked Keith David as as Mo said, um, and the mom actually as well when we met her over the phone and she was trying to steal the daughter Shaka Khan records and and generally give her daughter's life advice. But I don't know if it will find an audience this though. I'm not sure because Oh, it definitely will. It's yeah. a romantic oh, yeah. movie. It's a romantic movie that's been chopped into easy digestible TV parts. That's what it okay. is. I think this definitely will find an audience. You know, you can put it in the Emily in Paris bucket. Um, I will. You can put it in the. <laughs> I like how it was a bucket, man. <laughs> <laughs> you, you can put this in the, the the travel log bucket. I mean, the cinematography was gorgeous. The the shots of the food and so forth. You know, Net, Netflix has all of those foodie shows and those travel foodie shows. So you can, you're going to capture a lot of different people with this i i think the conflict will come you know when they one when they go to america obviously her father and clearly what's gonna you know how her father's gonna act when amy ultimately does not go back to law school i'm sure there's gonna be some conflict with her mother and just the fact that they're an interracial couple you know and he's coming from abroad so so there's a lot of extra conflict you're going to get in these subsequent episodes there's probably enough meat on the bone i just don't know if if it is enough to go the distance but i will say interestingly enough the memoir in which the the uh, the actress this is based on the uh, the memoir is based on she helped write the teleplay for this episode so she has part of the blame in terms of that that dialogue you know like sarah so (laughs) well i mean now i feel terrible Changing tax now uh, to uh, Amazon Prime. We have got the peripheral and Sarah is just going to run us through uh, the basics of this. Sure, I've done sci-fi again. So the basics are never going to be basic, are they? Um, so this is based on a 2014 science fiction mystery thriller by William Gibson. The action seems to hop between London 2099 and the Blue Ridge Mountains 2032. Uh, Flynn, who is played by... Chloe Grace Moretz, and I can't get enough of her, and her brother Burton are in your classic American tumble-down farmhouse with an old Airstream caravan out front. They've got a sick mum, she's losing her sight, they need expensive pills, they have to buy them from a dealer. Burton has glow-in-the-dark scars across his body which cause him pain, and we think these are haptics to do with this immersive gaming that he does. So he plays games for rich people, uh, which is called jockeying. Um, He's been asked to beta test a new device and a simulation game for big money. The longer you're in, the more you do, the more you earn. Sounds brilliant, doesn't it? Flynn um, works at a 3D printing place. She is just as good a game player as him, if not better, but the games that they play are very sexist. His avatar is called Easy Ice, um, and she ends up playing this game, this new sim game for him. Totally immersive. Um, She's obeying what sounds like a cockney woman's voice in her head. And this turns out to be a character called Alita, uh, who reminds me a great deal of Michelle Gomez. Like, honestly, why was not Michelle Gomez not cast in this? So in this game, they've got superhuman abilities. Uh, it's a glamorous, futuristic London. And that's the first gameplay. And as we know, the tutorial levels always lead you in very gently. Level two, it unsurprisingly goes from fun to grim eyeball surgery very quickly. Alita um, wants to break into various places with Marielle's eyeball. So someone we meet gives up her eyeball in a, in a certain final way <laughs> and it gets put into um, uh, Easy Ice's face. A lot happens in this, but I thought it was well paced and it was not overwhelming. 
Um, in the Blue Ridge Mountains, we also meet Connor, who is a, a disabled man using a fantastic sort of monowheel combi vehicle device. He is absolutely lethal. He's terrifying. Um, and then there's also uh, the drug dealers in town and we see them getting a very violent pep talk from their boss. Um, right at the end of this episode, we come full circle and we see this mysterious black man in London, 2099, trying to get in touch with Flynn to tell her the truth about this gaming experience and that there is a massive bounty on her head, which everyone finds ridiculous. But suddenly there are like there's a full military unit and scary invisible cars in town. Um, yeah, and that is what you call a cliffhanger. How long was Neil Armstrong actually on the moon? When did Europe start speaking English? Did Marco Polo really go to China? Curiosity Stream is the streaming service for all things history, plus science, wildlife, and more. What's the real story behind the Mona Lisa? We've got that. What caused the collapse of Rome? We know. Where did we find mankind's earliest ancestor? Come find out. For the holidays, give the gift of curiosity with 25% off gift cards for your curious cohorts. It's holiday shopping season at curiositystream.com slash gift. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mo, had you read the book? Were you aware of this, the peripheral before? Because this is very much sort of your wheelhouse, isn't it? No, I did know about it prior to... Um being asked to review it for for this episode this was on my list of things to watch i, I saw the trailer yeah me too ago. yeah so, so yeah, i was same. definitely uh, keen on 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 watching this but i'm i'm clapping for sarah's the way she broke that down just giving yeah how no, much it was very good sarah no I, I agree very good <laughs> i mean you know i thought it moved at a really good pace but it, this was over an hour in terms of a, of a pilot. You could clearly see where the money is going in the show. Chloe Grace is just a wonderful actress. She continues to grow anything that I see her in. I will say I was trying to figure out what county they were in in the Blue Ridge Mountains because I am near the Blue Ridge Mountains. So, you know, it is a fictionalized uh, county that they're in. And um, this is taking place in at least the American parts or in North Carolina. So I, I was just I was really determined to figure out was the South, South, Southern Virginia or if it was North Carolina. So I, I did find my answer uh, thanks to good old Google. But uh, it, it's it's really interesting. I felt like, you know, this was this mashup of Ready Player One, mm. Westworld, which makes perfect sense given the, the producers behind us are also uh, the creators of Westworld. And it also reminds me of an old uh, a J.K. Simmons show that was on Stars, which is a counterpart from a few years ago with had Olivia Williams in it as well, which dabbled in some some of these these same types of things. Yeah. And Sarah, you, you said you were looking forward to it as well. Yeah. Even though ugh, Westworld, man, what happened? I think I was I was happy in Westworld for like at least half the first season, if not longer, which for me is quite long. They did such good work. It was brilliant. Um, I think my husband watched all of it and I was just like, meh. And he was like, it feels like a chore. I really hope that because they've got a source material 
book here. It doesn't have to be four or five seasons. Just use the source material and be good. Don't don't keep spinning it out just because it's been successful. Law of diminishing returns, you know, that's definitely uh, something that I think Westworld suffered from. But I'll forgive them that if this is good. It was weird because it did feel like a lot of nothing was happening, but then suddenly loads of stuff happened. There was pacing in between the sort of action bits for you to sort of catch your breath and and try and work out, you know, how it played into the story. It wasn't as confused as it could have been, given that there's there's so much to talk about. I have to say, I mean, I don't think I'm as big of a, a sci-fi head as, as certainly as Mo and Sarah, certainly in terms of this. I think it was at its sort of most intriguing when you were in the game, when you were in sort of faux London with her playing as as him going round and um, Charlotte Riley was there as this sort of rogue agent almost. That eye scene needs some sort of trigger try. warning. Yeah, mm, yeah, it does. Yeah. With your widow warning, we need an eye warning as well. Yeah, yeah, I think we do. I think a lot of people are squeamish about body stuff in general, but basically everyone is squeamish about eye stuff. Yeah, and this has got like a full eye transplant scene. (laughs) (laughs) It's not a utopia Wilson Wilson moment. It was very, you know, long and meandering at times. I know we have to obviously get some context around the characters. And, you know, Chloe Ghost Moretz, as you say, is excellent in this role as the small town girl who is sort of longing for something more than being like a carer and like a shop worker and there's this story where like the guy she had a crush on at high school is now getting married and could that have been me almost you know they're making the little things to go on the top of his wedding cake in a in a a dash of irony uh but i i did enjoy the the action scenes were good and the actor um jack rayner as well who who's an irish actor who played the brother i thought i thought he was very good as well when they were in the the alternate uh, reality uh but there wasn't enough again for me really to to keep watching despite i mean gary carr being the sort of the ominous british voice as well it needs to be a british voice doesn't it really? always um, what did we watch uh, recently uh, it was a British sci-fi thing this year, and it was got time travel, and they were saving the world by going back in time. The only thing I can think of is the time travel as well. <laughs> no, 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 no. It, This was a Sky show. It was um, oh, Lazarus oh. Project. Yeah, yeah. I connected with that more because I think it was funnier, and I don't know. I just think the performances were great in that. That's what you need. You need. The human story, the human interest to get into something that can be so, so sort of like technical, really, which is what sci-fi ends up being. And I think this has done well, but I think to to my mind, I think that did better. It's all very earnest, isn't it, I think? And I think you can tell it's been adapted from a book and they're trying to have some sort, you know, they're trying to be faithful to what was in there. Whereas if it's something original like The Lazarus Project, it was a lot more... Mm cheeky it had more of a humorous tone to it you know they were drawn with shades of gray the characters there whereas the ones here you very much know their motivations from the starts but it feels on brand for um a a show that's being produced by um jonathan nolan and his wife lisa joy the westworld creators nolan and joy love the more technical aspects of it they will intersperse the humanity because the scene i felt like we had a really a lot of between flynn 
and her brother Burton. I really thought that those were really good scenes. And when you add in the mother and things that they were doing, you know, for her their mother interspersed with the gaming, I thought in and that themselves was solid i think that again if you got it down and made it a little bit shorter maybe sarah would have felt like i'm not i can't you know i'm not gonna speak for you (laughs) but maybe you would have connected with it a little bit more if they'd focused a little bit more on the family element with Mm. the gaming i definitely wanted to see more of flynn and she fades into the background as a sort of like a body on a chair, doesn't she, when she's playing this game? It's not even her that's the Avatar. I Yeah, I, I'm hoping we get to a point where we actually see her as the Avatar in the game. I'm assuming yeah. we will. Yeah. But yeah, I agree with you. I was just, it was just like, oh, she's not the Avatar. And I was really looking forward to her doing the flips and the other things that she was doing. Mm. You know, um, I love the name Easy Ice. I mean, <laughs> but yeah, I would have love to have seen more of a bit more Flynn in the actual virtual space. You're right because there's that line isn't there where the guy says to her who are you really or something like that when she's in avatar mode. Is this going to be a continuation for you, for you guys or yeah? Yeah, yeah please. I'm... Please. <laughs> <laughs> and finally something else that is on Prime Video through the freebie service, means meaning that you can watch it if you don't have uh, a subscribe to Prime. Uh, it's free with ads. This is high school, and we will go to a former high schooler, Mo Walker, to run us through it. <laughs> yeah, it's another memoir-based series. This one is based on a memoir by the uh, group Tegan and Sarah, who are two twins set in the 1990s in uh, Calgary, Canada. It opens, interestingly enough, with Bjork and Tegan, you know, watching this interview with Bjork and and we get a nice sampling of some 90s music and it sets up this sort of strife between Tegan and her twin Sarah because Sarah and their friend Phoebe have now become, spoiler, a couple and Tegan feels left out. Some of the other tension that leads into this is that the twins are starting a new school and that the only people that they know are each other. We get each twin's perspective on their first couple of days in high school. We, we start out with Tegan and her first inter- interactions are with this bully named Tyler, and she subsequently becomes friends with, I would say, sort of a bad girl, but you know, certainly an equally powerful figure in the school named Maya. We kind of shift to the, the two girls, Tegan, and like we're seeing their, their home life. Is that they're continuing to, um, there's the tension between the two of them is continuing, partly because they got into a fight the day before school in which um, Tegan en- ends up punching Sarah. And it, it sort of leads into uh, the two of them for most of the episode, not really connecting. We follow Sarah's perspective and Sarah, like Tegan, is having problems making friends. She ultimately does uh, befriend from their, her, their drama class. This woman, which which I thought was really interesting, bringing up gender issues in like a 90s set show, because back in the 90s, we didn't get these sort of gender issues you know and non-binary what could be as a non-binary character in in these sorts of shows so hats off to that and ultimately 
the two sisters are able to briefly reconnect by the tail end of the show, only to have that interrupted when Phoebe shows up at their house for a date night with Sarah. Now, the mother in this is played by uh, Colby Smulders, and she does a really good job. She comes to the forefront, and she's very supportive, but the fact that Colby Smulders is a mom, you know, makes me kind of feel old because I'm still thinking like how I met your mother and the fact that she continuously plays Maria Hill in the MCU. I did go on to episode two on this, Mo, and she did. She does have a line where she says she became a mum at 22. So if that, <laughs> if that helps at all to give you a little bit of context in it. I've gone on to the second episode and it does very much have the structure where you follow characters individually. So... As you said, we follow Tegan first, then Sarah in in this episode. In the second one, we follow Sarah, and then we follow uh, the mum, and her story is very interesting. She, she was a crisis line. She's training to be a social worker. She's in a relationship, but she's basically mum to these two quite stroppy teenage girls. I loved how this was filmed as well. It's Claire Duval, who's the director, obviously an actress, again, who, who was quite prominent in the in the late 90s. I remember her from uh, the faculty. But the scenes, for example, when you see uh, initially Tegan having a lunch outside by the wall on her own, and then you go to Sarah and she's on the other side of that wall. I really like that shot. I thought that was really good. And then um, it's Tegan who gets the gum in her hair, isn't it? And then Sarah who helps you know wash it out at the end and you can see that bond uh the actresses who play them are are terrific i really liked as you said the the 90s soundtrack obviously at some point we are going to get to the point of them becoming a band we see in episode two that they both are learning to play piano and there's a scene where i think it's tegan has played like the opening to today by the smashing pumpkins on the uh, on the piano for her piano teacher um, so yeah, really like this. Um, this is definitely up my street. Um, Sarah, what about you? Oh yeah, obviously this was made with me in mind. <laughs> although, although to my great displeasure, I didn't know that Tegan and Sarah were real people until I started reading about oh, it. Okay. So I, yeah, I knew about them. I'd heard that probably of the three of us. Then I was the most aware of them. Um, I'd heard, my friend Sasha is a massive fan of them, and I I got to listen to them through her. And I think I had a couple of their albums at one point on a very old iPod, which has since disappeared. So I don't have that anymore. But yeah, um, I was aware of them. I think I spotted in the first couple of episodes, there was Hull, there was Nirvana, there was Smashing Pumpkins, there was Weezer, and of course the Canadian equivalent of all of the above, which I, I don't know. <laughs> um, I liked how it's that look, the um, the baggy shirts and the chains on the jeans, and, and in a time before hair straighteners as well, where long hair was just long hair, it wasn't completely flat. I liked the sisters, but I wasn't mad about the performances. I think maybe because we meet them in such a period of tension, there's a distance, there's a there's an iciness between them. Um, because when Sarah and Phoebe were together, that made perfect sense to me. They were lovely together. Um, so, yeah, I think maybe that that warmth I'm just looking for. But I think we are. I think we're sort of willing them to be friends and to be sisters again, aren't we? I'm glad you, you picked out um, the mum because Simone, I think, was my favourite. 
And I'm also glad, Mo, that you mentioned feeling that making you feel a bit old because I was like, oh, no, I connect most with the mum in this. I am old. <laughs> but, yeah, I moved, I moved on to the second episode quite happily as well and, and to learn more about her and the situation that she finds herself in, I think, was really good. These are Moorish little things, yeah. aren't they? Yeah, they're about half an hour, if that, each. Um, I believe there's six up there currently. I think there's eight episodes in total. Mo, did, I mean, did you just watch one? And what what were your general thoughts on this? I, I mean, I, unfortunately, I only had time to watch the first episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I will continue with it. I definitely enjoyed it. It really had the these feelings of my, my so-called life. It just really did take me back to that time period. And I could immerse myself into that world and remember my high school feelings. But that was... That's a horror story. But anyway, anyway, I, I do think that... The, I, the, the, I'm looking the, forward to Mo So-Called so Life. Ooh, <laughs> ooh. No? Yeah, that's... Ooh. Are, we, are we not having a, a Mo memoir yet? Well, I don't know if I'm that <laughs> that interesting. You said it would be a horror story. I was, I thought there, well, was, there was something <laughs> Yeah, well, aspects of it would be a horror story. <laughs> but um, I'm sure my, my wife, who was... I mean, we we were together. In, well, not together, together, but we were friends in high school. She, I'm mm. sure, she would would chime in as well. But anyway, getting back <laughs> to uh, high school with with with, um, I would say this probably should be called high school colon the origin of Tegan and Sarah. It's a very bland name, isn't it? Yeah, I wish, I, I wish things had better names these days. Mm. Yeah, I've, unfortunately, I feel like the name undersells what this is. Uh, particularly on Freebie, there's a number of music documentaries and so forth, and it fits right into mm. you know their catalog of some of their original offerings. But I think that a much more distinctive name would would probably help. And I, I do feel like you know again the 30 minute format for this, even though it leans much more on the drama drama side it really does work we get in we get out i think this is definitely a solid show and it's something worth probably coming to freebie to watch Mm, definitely i like how it's strange for me because i've always subscribed to amazon i mean if you buy a thing off amazon you kind of can't help it which is really weird um and i'm watching it with adverts and i mean you know for the past few months in the press netflix has been in conniptions about whether they should offer advertising or not and amazon is just showing them that it ain't no thing you know it's fine they've just got adverts on a particular few programs i thought that was really interesting given the conversations that you know they've had they finally decided now haven't they they've they've said how much it's going to cost yeah, I I think they they sort of tried to advertise it as its own thing almost, haven't they? Freebie, it's like mm. a, a, a streaming service through Prime, but it is its own thing. I mind you, so- Prime's always had that, hasn't he? You know, yeah. Stars Play and all of the sort of weird channels that you have to subscribe to for extra, which always really annoy me. <laughs> Although Stars Play is now Lionsgate Plus for some reason. <laughs> Oh no! Don't tell me. I've only just got used to saying this stupid no, name, and now I have to. No stars new... play. It's Lionsgate Plus now. Yeah, yeah. Everything is. It Lions, is... is it Lions with a Z? No. Oh what? <laughs> <laughs> this is on Freebie, which has not changed its name, so we're fine. Actually, <laughs> it has. This used to be called IMDb TV. <laughs> so yeah, it's now of yeah. It it's, yeah. So and and. <laughs> So uh, there was an Alex Ryder show, and I think that was 
on over there for you all was that was that channel four i'm trying it to remember on all four all it was four. on all okay. four i saw so the ads vicky mcclaw's in it isn't she yes yes so alex Ryder, the alex Ryder show was what they called you know an imdb original and now a freebie a freebie original so it, it's that show is on this service weirdly enough but yeah as you say this is the week where netflix are going on about ads and yeah they've finally revealed how much each tier is going to cost i think adverts is something that we're just used to now really isn't it i think most of us you know certainly on our streaming services over here in the uk we we're used to you know all four has a, a big chunk of ads yeah um but you just sort of get used to it don't you so yeah high school i think is a big recommendation all round, which is which is good certainly the one we're most positive on is there anything else you guys are enjoying at the moment on TV? What, Mo? Anything to recommend apart from Emmerdale's 50th anniversary? <laughs> you know, I, I did en- I, I did enjoy uh, She-Hulk for the for the most part. Uh, Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power. It certainly doesn't have a hype that House of the Dragon has, but as the show goes on, I think you will definitely come to appreciate it if you are a fan of Middle Earth enjoy being back in in middle earth this is the time over here where we we got the fall premieres on our um you know big four networks i mean i've been enjoying and i don't know if you've gotten this you when you <laughs> um rookie feds <laughs> which is a spinoff of an american cop show called the rookie i feel like it, it would definitely be a gary show i, I think <laughs> It's just escapist television. It's it's nothing. It's not high um, high drama by any any stretch of the imagination. I think that will probably be on Sky Witness over here because I think that's what the rookie is on. If I'm correct in that. Oh. Uh, oh, weird. Interesting. That's where all the American crime shows end up. Over oh. Here. Okay. Okay. I I just assumed that it probably would end up eventually over there for on Disney since it's a it's over here. It's an ABC show. And so it streams on Hulu next day. Oh, so, perhaps, okay. Perhaps. Um, and Sarah, what about you? I was not massively sold on Bad Sisters, but because everybody's talking about it, I've gone back to it. I am enjoying it. It is good. Um, but the thing that I've picked up on, which is no longer on Stars Play, because we're not calling it that, um, is The Serpent Queen with Samantha Morton as a wicked French queen in it. It's bodice ripping. It's historical. It's... Not anywhere near as clever as the greats, but it's fabulous. In the middle of the first episode, Charles Dance turns up on horseback as the Pope, because of course he does. So again, a more sort of uh, escapist TV for you, which frankly, with the world and the UK especially on its knees. I mean, what else are we going to do? Watch Newsnight? I don't think so. Or um, This England with uh, <laughs> Kenneth Branagh as uh... As Boris Johnson. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Which is timely. Yeah, I know. We might get a sequel out of that. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> We'd love to hear from you. Drop us an email. CustardTVReviews at gmail.com So, yeah, so that's another um, edition of the podcast in the books. Uh, thank you, both of you, for joining me. Do you want to just uh, tell us where you could, where we can find you on Twitter? I am at Sarah Hamstera for um, political rants and TV musings. You can find me at Dr. Bo 77, TV stuff, soap stuff, comic book stuff, you know, 
When's the Emmerdale podcast mode coming? I think. <laughs> no, I don't think I have the time. Emmo Emmo Dale, that writes itself. Emmo Dale, it does. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. Yeah, I don't know when. I don't. I doubt I'll, I'll ever be able to do it. Emmerdale or Emmo Dale yeah. podcast. And um, I'm at Matt's TV Bites. Uh, Luke's at Luke Custard TV, and the podcast at Custard TV Pod. Please rate, review, and subscribe on uh, your podcast app of choice. We will be back next week with the returns of both the White Lotus and what we do in the shadows. Um, but yeah, for now, thank you very much and goodbye. Rate and review us wherever you find us. Search the Custard TV on YouTube, iTunes, and Facebook. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.